with one leg equals one prayer, a show where, you, where we ask the tough questions in Christianity, and then we answer them in a totally unbiased, purely factual, and totally not made up way. I'm Josh Krauss, and I'll be your host today for this most excellent religious adventure. On today's episode, we will ask and probably answer the question, can I lose my salvation? And if so, what are some things that can make me lose it? We'll also talk about the recent war on prayer. So with that, let's get this movable feast underway, and allow me to introduce my fellow co-hosts, have mercy, it's Kevin Eccles. Good evening, world. And finally, cut it out, it's Eric Latassi. Uh, sick. Good. <laughs> Dead? Getting there. Nearly. Or art thou Mark? Oh, uh, yeah. Markio, Markio, Art thou Markio. Rip and Rip Mark. He's unfortunately still doing pizza things. Such is the life of a pizza man to quote what he told me earlier apparently people don't want to work for money anymore yeah well, so you can't pay millennials to work anymore that's right all of those websites are true those millennials what's wrong with them everything you know what i like when people on facebook post things about millennials and then i look and i realize that they don't realize that they themselves are actually millennials <laughs> because people think millennials are people who were born like like in like the 2000s, but it's actually like, it's like the early 80s. If you're born in the early 80s, you're actually still a millennial. And people are like, oh, millennials are lazy. And I'm like, you're thought, a millennial. Wait, I thought I thought the cutoff was like basically <laughs> me. Like I was the oldest millennial No, ever. because I'm pretty sure it's like, I want to say it's like the early 80s. It's like 80, like three or 84, I want to say. The Google. Yeah. To Google. To Google. What, I, what I really like is that you get the parents of millennials saying, oh, they're so entitled. I'm like, you raised this generation. <laughs> yeah. It's to blame. It's you. If only someone could have seen this coming and parented them. To, oh, oh isn't it, it really is. Like, it's, like the, it's like, it always like the parents that are like posting that stuff. Oh, I know. There's entitled I, I will not mention any names, but there was a current mother who on Facebook was saying how entitled this generation is. And I'm like, your son is by far the worst entitled person I've ever met. <laughs> so, and who baby the crap out of this kid? But you. Uh, that's oh. funny. You were correct, Josh. What is it? Early 1980s. Yep, that's what I thought. Starting his birth years into the mid-1990s yep. to early 2000s. So I don't know why there are three dates on a bracketed age there, but you are correct. Yeah. Basically, we call the Echo Boomers yeah. because we're the kids of the Baby Boomers, apparently. Echo Boomers? Yeah, they call us the Echo Boomers. Like the, we're the aftershock. I don't like that. I don't either. But like that, that's what Wikipedia says. Oh. So I like millennials better and all the negative connotations that go along with it. I'll take it. I, I've met more hardworking millennials than I've met hardworking boomers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you darn millennials wanted to change things. Let's go back in the day where, you know, <laughs> segregation was a thing, right? Like, that's great. Who those uh, people always want to complain about? Let's yeah. go back to 1930 when no one had money at all and people were dying. Oh, you starvation. Mean, you mean the Depression era? The Depression era. I think those were the good old days. Those, <laughs> yeah, were, the those old were the great days. days. Let's go back to those times. Or let's go to the uh, 50s where we were smacking our wives around and yeah. having sex outside of marriage and then acting like it wasn't happening. That's right. How is that different from today again? Uh, it's not, but okay, we have media. <laughs> we have media that says, wait a second, <laughs> you're doing this. Well, it's kind of like how, like, okay, so I just got my Tigers app updated, and I spent my $20 so I can listen to all the Tigers games, because let's face it, nobody watches baseball. You just no. listen to it. Not really. Well, <laughs> it's like everybody forgets that Miguel Cabrera had that whole, like, altercation domestic abuse thing with his wife, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, he hits a baseball really, really well. He's my favorite. And I'm like... Not, oh, okay, whatever. You know, like, it. it's hey, funny how, like, depending on when it <laughs> how happens. How hard can he swing the bat? Oh. <laughs> oh. Or, or. <laughs> that joke. Wow. Uh. That's dark, Josh. <laughs> Where's Mark when you need someone to lighten the mood? Good night. We <laughs> miss you, Mark. Someone needs to rein me in at this point. We miss you, Mark. I've already made a joke about segregation and... Beating your wife. Yeah, spousal abuse. Maybe it's their uh, These jokes are not funny, Josh. No, they're bad. Okay. Just wanted to go on the record there. <sighs> okay. For the record, I'm not for spousal abuse or, or segregation. I just want to make that clear that everybody knows. Appreciate that, Josh. Okay. He's also blonde, and he's also got blue eyes, <laughs> and he's driven. <dripping. laughs> <laughs> just, just to clarify. Eric, you are not helping. Uh, all right. So, moving on. Uh, I yes, found please. a yeah yes please, I found an interesting um, social related news topic. Uh, so recently in the Twitterverse, there's been a recent trend along the lines of 
uh, I'm doing the hat. I'm doing quote marks, but really it's like a hashtag. So hashtag symbol. Hashtag thoughts and prayers do nothing. As a result, some Christians have taken this. Have, some Christians have taken this to the point of declaring an official war on prayer. That's right. If you thought there was a war on Christmas, then you haven't seen anything yet. Anyway, Chris Pratt of Parks and Rec fame, also Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, he recently came under fire when he tweeted about praying for Hollywood director Kevin Smith. Uh, here's the story. So I'm going to go ahead and read the story. And yep, it says um, Pratt, a Christian, took to Twitter when he got wind of Smith's circumstances after the director tweeted that he could have died from a, the 100% blockage in his heart and had he not gone to the hospital. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy star was quick to voice it at his admiration for Smith tweeting, I have loved you since Clerks, and you inspired me. Pratt went, went on to say he would be praying for him. So the actual tweet says, uh, Praying for you, I will continue to. You inspired me, inspired me with Clerks when I was a senior in high school. And then he talks some more about the movies and stuff. Uh, so basically in another tweet, he asked his followers to join him in saying, I believe in the healing power of prayer. Can you please pray with me, people? Uh, instead of prayers, most of what he received was criticism. One Twitter wrote, uh, one Twitter user wrote, that's cool and everything, but doctors and nurses save lives, not prayer. Another took aim at him saying, if you want to help, then actually help. Praying is just a way to feign helping so you don't have to go out of your way. Uh, says Pratt's friends and Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn was prompted to jump to his defense in a series of his own tweets. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's basically the article. So, I just thought it was kind of interesting that we go from one area where people are saying, you know, I mean, the thoughts and prayers, I think, that comes from, like, the whole gun control thing, people not wanting to, to do anything different with gun laws and saying, you know, oh, people just want politicians. to thoughts and prayers. Yeah, politicians. Right. But this is kind of a separate instance where, like, I think Chris Pratt, from what I know, I think he's he's pretty much, he professes to be a Christian, and, um, I mean, he's saying, like, I'm praying for you, and people are saying, like, well, that's stupid why you're praying, like, doctors here, here and help people. I don't, I mean, it's silly to think that's because someone's saying, like, you know, I'm praying for you that, like, a Christian would be like, prayers, you know, we don't need doctors or healing. I think people just like being mad. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, and there's a huge difference. Like, let's just forget about the fact that one is about praying and one is about guns and one is about, like, someone had a heart attack. Like, one is a case where politicians are saying, our thoughts and prayers are with you instead of doing their job, which is to pass legislation of some sort. You know, whether you think we need to pass legislation to restrict guns away from certain groups of people or restrict guns from everyone, you know, whatever. We can argue about that and already have. But, like, they were saying they would pray instead of doing their job. Right. Chris Pratt's job and training is not to do art open heart surgery. <laughs> so, like, I, I, I don't really see this as him praying as a cop-out. Yeah. So much as it is him saying, I believe that prayer actually does change things, contrary to what the Twitter guy said. And so I'm going to do what I can, which is to give my support as vocally as I can and to pray on your behalf. Like, what more did you expect him to, to do? Like, yeah. I, I, I honestly just don't kind of understand why people are so upset at him. Like, what else did they really like, what had in mind? Right. Did they, they want to actually fly over there like, and, like, are they worried perform they can, a surgery on yeah, Kevin like, Harder or Stephen Smith or something? Are they or worried that he can't afford the medical bills? Because yeah. I'm pretty sure he's fine. You know, like... Right. I don't know. Like, I just... I don't know. I think people just like to be mad. I agree. It's just weird, though. Like, what does that say about our culture at this point, though, that... <laughs> I mean, people just get upset over yeah anything, basically. It seems like sometimes... Yeah, I think they're fed up because of the whole other stuff. I mean, I get that, and I get that. I, but, like... This is not... He was, his, I feel like his intentions were not, like... it's not. He was not saying that to direct you know, attention from something else. Whereas some of this, that, I mean, all the gun stuff, that's kind of what some of it was. This is like, he's just like, Hey man, I liked you. You're a cool dude. I hope you get better praying for you. I mean, it's not, I don't understand why people are getting so upset about it, but yeah. I mean, like, I think it's just, it's easy to be mad at people, you know, like you've, and I feel like maybe we've just gotten kind of used to that being normal. I mean, I don't know about you, but, like, I watch the news and I find something where if I want it to ruin my day, I can let it ruin my day. Yeah. You know, like, it doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you're on. It doesn't matter if you think Russia is a hoax and Mueller ne- or Mueller needs to stop talking. It doesn't matter if you believe what Mueller's doing and you're really mad at Trump. Like, it doesn't even matter anymore. Like, you watch the news for more than five seconds, you can find something to be mad about. And I think we've just gotten, like... Like, 
maybe even literally biochemically addicted to that hit we get. And we're like, yeah, I get to be mad about something today. Like, I need to be mad about something. I need to be, you know, have this sense of righteous indignation. You know, like, I'm better than someone else. How dare Chris Pratt do that? You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like the problem is out there. The problem is never me. It's always out there somewhere. I got to figure out whose fault this is today. You know, I, I don't know. Like, people just like being mad. I feel like, and I, and I, I hope that's all there is, though. I hope that's it. Yeah. Because I mean, I hope it's not. Hey, people are getting pissed off because they're realizing that Christians basically Christianity is basically a big hoax designed to herd people in <laughs> to say thoughts and prayers when it fits their agendas for politi- politics, which it kind of has looked like that for the past couple of you know years. Yeah. Especially with. The guns. The one, the most recent events is the gun thing, Billy Graham's death, and all that stuff. We're we're getting yeah. very. There's fundamentalism, and then there's people who hate Christians, and I feel like we're getting polar opposite fights going on. Yeah, I mean, it's just too extremes. I feel like, kind of, and you're not seeing much in the middle of the people that are trying to do the small things. Like, and I guess it's just interesting that. Like, so, like, then does that mean, like, oh, if I'm a Christian, I shouldn't say, like, I'm praying for you then? I mean, because maybe it has that connotation that I'm just saying it to say it then. And that's actually something I've thought about at times where, like, like, I'm not, I'm never, I don't say I'm going to pray for somebody unless I'm actually going to pray for that person. And, like, right. then I'm actually going to, like, usually, chances are I'm probably going to do it then and there because otherwise I might not be forgetting or something. Yeah, I, I agree. But I, I feel I, like it's yeah, easy yeah. just to throw that around, like, okay, hey, pray for you, I'll pray for you, whatever, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't like saying I'll pray for you. Because, I mean, even other Christians, like, that's, like, the worst excuse ever. You either mm. actually back your words or don't say it at all. Right. And I, I normally don't even say it. So do you say, like, I don't care? Well, I mean, it, I guess it depends. Like, if someone's sick, I think a visit would be a lot better than going. Granted, I don't even visit because I'm a terrible <laughs> So, <laughs> and I visit. So you just do nothing. Uh... I guess but he does, so but with you he does and, nothing with yeah, integrity. That's right. Maybe you sit and think about, I should be doing something. What? No, okay. no, 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 let me, let me really defend is. Eric, because there's no way for Eric to defend himself yeah. this without sounding something. So, like, but when I, I was joking around a little bit, but I was also half serious. Doing nothing with integrity is better than the disingenuously saying, oh, I'll pray for you. Yeah. And then walking away and doing nothing. You know right. what I mean? Like, it, that, you know, that short little, I don't even call it a parable, that example Jesus gave. Where the dude's got two sons, right? One of them's like, oh, yeah, Dad, I'll totally help you out, and then doesn't. And then the other son initially said, no, Dad, I don't want to help you. Forget that. But then he comes back, and he's like, yeah, I should help out. And then he comes and actually helps. And Jesus is like, well, which guy was the honorable son? And everyone's like, well, duh, the one that actually did something. And Jesus is like, okay, yes, absolutely. And, like, that, that is the punchline. There's no deep meaning there. Like, the meaning is the people who do something are far more valuable than the people who talk about doing something. And so I think that's where a lot of the anger comes from. Like, politicians, their job is to do something to help legislate the country, to protect the citizens in the country, and we're all getting shot. Right. You know, and so if you're going to say my thoughts and prayers are with the victims, but not do something, that makes you the dishonorable son. Do you think, do you think if you say something, then at that point it makes you... At a point, you have to do something. You can't just say it and just be like, okay. I think words are kind of binding. Like if I but say... But you're yes, be yes, and you're no, be no. Yeah, I mean... I think somebody said that they, once. I think there's a there's a God. Oh, like, there's like, there is a God. Is like Bono, the God, the God, God that said that. Did Bono say that? Or Bono, that yeah, but it was Bono. Bono Jesus. Sounds like did, someone. Bono. Jesus did said you really? <laughs> did <laughs> yeah, I know. I know Jesus said that. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, Who said God said this? Obano, like uh, is God. Uh, yeah, I can see how God and Bono the same human being. And God, I know God became human once, but still, yes. not Bono. He was Bono. <laughs> I just can't. I'm doing a bit. You guys don't know I'm doing. It. I don't mind. Hey, don't okay. ruin. Don't mind me. I'm over here judging you. It's my indignation for the <laughs> That's day. Fine. I need to blame somebody, so I've decided it's your fault. I. But at a more serious note. I don't ever say my prayers for the people because first off, I don't know where they're at with God, especially ones that like they say they're okay when you could tell they're they're not living like they're okay with him. And I'm not saying they're sitting; I'm saying that they're kind of pissed at him or you know whatever that's going on in their life. So I just kind of 
just talk to them about it. Say, you know, how are you doing? Okay. Yeah. Or I talk to them about the situation. How do you feel about this? How does other people in your family feel about this? Yeah. I don't. I don't really care. I'm not going to sit there and promise healing to you. Right. I'm not yeah. going to sit there and promise all these things to you because, let's be honest, I'm not God. Right. And secondly, there have been times where people are like, oh, I'm going to pray to get healed from cancer, and they die from cancer. Mm-hmm. So where do we go from there? Christians aren't immortal, so prayers of healing are not always answered. I mean, like... Yeah. And I think, too, like, when I feel led to pray for someone, my role is I have to listen to them for at least five minutes before I pray for them. And if the person is not interested in talking to me about the problem for five minutes, then they're probably also not that interested in having me pray for them if they're not wanting to engage. You you're know what I mean? You're saying like someone comes to you for prayers, like, hey, hey, I need prayer. And you're like, no, no. I mean, like if I'm out in public or something like that and oh, I'm like, hey, like this person seems like they're really having some trouble. Okay. Maybe. And it's a time where you might be tempted to say, oh, that's awful. I'll pray for you. What I try to do instead is to kind of get them to see if they want to talk more about it and to listen to like, oh, how has that been working out for you? Like, do you do you know what you, you want to tr- do next? W- what do you think that's going to look like for you in the next week or two? You know, like, okay. and if they are willing to talk about it and kind of like share how they're feeling and share where they're at with things, you know, then, you know, after talking to them for a little bit, I can be like, hey, you know, you know, this is really kind of weighing on me. Do you mind if I, I pray for you real quick? You know, if people are willing to have that conversation, they're usually willing to let you pray for them. And that way it's not some drive-by, oh, I'll pray for you, that's great, thanks for sharing your heart, and you're off. You know, there's there's a little bit of a relationship built at the same time that, you, you know, you can yeah. build on later. And there, and there should be, because, I mean, if you're living like God is with you everywhere, he's standing, sitting, doing whatever right next to you, he hears it. You know what I mean? I kind of feel right. like ministry's going on, you know, yeah. ministry's not just, hey, I'm going to pray for you. That's not really ministry, that's that's just scapegoating the issue. It's, it's kind of putting it on the back burner. Well, and I think, I think listening, frankly, like if someone feels listened to, like there's a lot of like, there's a lot of healing in that. Yeah. Right. You know, like if I'm having a crappy day, you know, there's not a, much my wife can do to just be like, everything's fine now. Yay. And you know, everything's, you know, wonderful. But yeah. like, if I'm having a crappy day and she's willing to like take At a second listen. and listen, sure. and I can vent to her about how awful my day was, she doesn't have to do anything. I just feel better when I'm done talking about it, you know? And I mean, that's true for everyone. It doesn't have to be your spouse. It can be the stranger. Like if your waitress is having a crap day, you'd be like, Hey, you could pretend like I'm really mad at my meal right now. Do you want to talk? Do you want to tell me about the table over there? Cause it seems like they're giving you a hard time. You know, like you do that. Sometimes the waitress or the waiter will take you up on it and be like, yeah, they're being really awful. Thanks for giving me an excuse to not walk over there right now. I really need a breath. I'm like, that's fine. You know, I'll just sit here and wave my hands for a bit and you can like, you know, take a breather and I'll look like blah, blah, blah. And you can pull your manager over. I'll tell them how great of a job you're doing. It'll balance out the fact that that table's mad at you. You know, like, I don't know, do something. Listen, make their day better by, by your actions. And then maybe pray for them. Uh, okay, so today's question is a question that has certainly created a lot of controversy in Christianity. In fact, entire denominations have been built around the way they answer this question. So get on with it. Can a Christian lose their salvation? If so, how does this happen? And finally, is assurance of our salvation an actual thing? First, let's define what we mean by salvation. And I tried to find the most generic, kind of not good definition of salvation possible. I, I literally just went to like, I don't even know, I went to like something bad. It's like Godpedia. God, yeah, Godpedia.com. Godpedia.org. That's what it was. And uh, anyway, the definition I came up was the eternal spiritual deliverance through Jesus Christ that saves us through the, from the wrath of God that would otherwise be a result of the consequences of sin. Basically, the deliverance from the eternal consequences of sin. So with that in mind of that definition, and we can argue and talk about what we actually think the definition of salvation is. Well, first of all, if we're going to nitpick the definition of salvation first, yeah, I just want to chop off the front half. Okay. Um, I don't like the idea of linking salvation as if you have salvation, somehow it's a shield from God's wrath. Okay. Like God's really angry at you unless you're saying something cool. You know, like that's this this, like super simplistic, like I, there's so much more to it than Substitutionary atonement? Uh, Penal substitutionary atonement? PSA? Yeah. No, I'm, 
I think that is one among many models of salvation that are appropriate when combined and that any of them taken by themselves are should we be defining these atonements yeah because yeah I don't want to... Okay. Kevin's like, get, I don't want to get, define it. No, I'm just saying if we get sidetracked into atonement, Eric and I are gone for hours. So we need to just blow just right by simple, that. Simple definition. And <laughs> I will not talk about them. It's a new topic. Go. Can you do it in like, like pictures <coughs> and words or like, like three words? Penal substitutionary that. atonement is the idea that God's really mad at you and Jesus died instead of you. Okay. What was that again? What was the word? God, penal substitutionary atonement. PSA is the way it's abbreviated. Yes, to people because of sin, someone had, there had to be a sacrifice. There right. had to be something to die. And God, the Son, took it on himself to do it. So okay. that you don't have to die because he did. I'm just thinking of like those old PSAs from like... like Public service announcement? Yeah. yeah. Well, this is penal substitutionary atonement. Okay. You just want to make me keep saying that. Yeah. It's hard to say. That's why we call there it There are other types of atonements. There are, but I'm trying not to get bogged down in that. Yes. <laughs> we'll is, have another podcast about that later. What is meant by atonement in the broadest sense of the word? Well, the second half of your definition of salvation is basically the idea of atonement. So I would say that atonement and salvation and even justification are roughly synonymous. All right, so let's start. Okay, so, you're, so atonement, justification, and... And salvation. Salvation. So if you're talking about can you lose your salvation? Yes. You know, can something that has been atoned for somehow be again counted against you? Is another way of saying the question. Good. Because, like, that's the same way of saying can you lose your salvation is can the atonement that you've been offered be reversed? You know, and then the last one is justification. If you've been justified, which, according to Scripture, that's being given righteousness that is from Jesus... If you've been given that righteousness, can it be taken away? Would be the reversing of that justification. I feel like there's another word you should define, and that's sanctification. No, I'm intentionally avoiding that one, Eric. But I think it needs to be talked about. Hi, Eric, you define sanctification. No, 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 no. He has to do it, because he's a Methodist, and they believe in entire sanctification. So he has to identify what it means. We believe in the possibility of entire sanctification. Go ahead. If I were a Nazarene... Go ahead and define regular sanctification. Oh, my goodness. It's it's progressively becoming more and more like God. The Orthodox Church would call it theosis. The idea of taking on the character and nature of... Well, not nature, sorry. The character of God. Emulating what God would do, living according to perfect Christian love. So sanctification is like working or striving. It's acknowledging the fact that somebody who just became a Christian and has been atoned for, received salvation, been justified, whatever you want to call it, someone who is just like a new baby Christian is not perfect. So you grow, you you know, grow in righteousness, you grow in your ability to obey, you grow in your ability to discern, and over the course of your life. That's the sanctification process. It's the it's this growth. Okay. Eric's chomping at the bit. Why I didn't want to go there? No, I just, <laughs> let, it ta- let it go. Just let it talk. People need to know the words. All right. So we, we made those words really confusing and not clear at all. So <laughs> how are they not uh, clear? They're very clear. They are very clear. I mean, if they're not clear, actually, that's people can time. rewind about okay. ninety that's seconds and listen good. to that. Like, but, I mean, like for, you, for you, Josh, what are, do car. you find those definitions clear? Yeah, because I was church my whole life. I was grew up in Christian. And he listens to me talk about it every uh, Sunday. I get the principle Most of them. I, do I ever use those words in common speak? No. <laughs> well, that's that's why I was like, "Hey, bro, how's your sanctification? Yeah, how are you how are you, how are you sanctified, sanctified today? today? Yeah. How's your sanctification sanctification going? Is it is it is it better than it was yesterday? Or are you more sanctified than on you were two months five. ago? <laughs> yeah, on a scale, on of, a scale five, of one to how Jesus, sanctified how sanctified are you? You get a shirt. We should get shirts made of that. Oh yes. Nineteen ninety-five. Great. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's now that we've completely it match my um, with Jesus. Can you reread the second half of your, that definition? Oh, the bad, the really bad salvation. The really bad definition. The second half of the bad definition. Because right. I liked the second half of the bad definition. There's another part. You read. I know you read another part. You know what's great about that part <laughs> then, of the def- definition? It's basically saying we have this doctrine that fights against this other doctrine that we have. <laughs> That's why we have to have both doctrines. It's the only way it's going to work, guys. If you're going to play the system, you got to have both doctrines, otherwise something goes awry. I don't even know which two doctrines right. you're talking about. And then the shorter Original definition. Sin. And this, this is, these are my words, so I took that bad definition and I tried to 
put into a smaller which oh well, congratulations so i must like your definition basically, better basically the deliverance from the eternal consequences of sin yeah that's the part i liked well, all right, that. yeah. yeah all right that's so that, the those are my own words i took the really long bad definition and i just tried to pay it in the well, less bad josh going to church form. must be working because i like your like Say shortened version You're much the, better than uh, the original the deliverance from the eternal consequences of sin okay yeah i'm cool with that okay that's a yeah. much better summary all right, well, now that we're... Well done, Josh. 30 minutes in. Okay. End of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right there. We're done. We didn't answer anything. <laughs> Woo! Or No, we, like, I feel like we nailed down, like, what salvation yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, okay. And it's, yeah, that's so, like, being delivered from the consequences of sin, which is being delivered. So it's something that's done for you. Right. You know, which I, I think that's important. So it's something that God does for you. And the question is, can you lose that? Can that be undone? So you're saying it's, it's ultimately... Something that God does for you, right? You're not saying that. Oh yeah, okay. you can't save yourself. That's heresy, right? And well, the first question, people were mad about that in the fourth century. The first question was not that though. The first question was, all right, can you be assured that you? That was the second. Oh, that was the second. It's part. Technically, okay. the question is three parts. Okay. Because I feel like, in my opinion, it's three parts anyway. It's can you lose it? If you can lose it, how can you lose it? <laughs> I guess, and, or and ultimately. Is there a way that you can be assured of your salvation if and can if you can lose it? Essentially, I guess it would be oh. what I would put that clause in. Oh, okay. So that's why you wanted to combine the two topics. Yeah. I now, okay, now mind, I understand why you have the two links. In my together. mind, that makes sense. together. It's not. All right. So I get assured of salvation and then salvation, but ultimately, in my mind, I'm thinking if you can lose it, then how are you ever assured of it in the first place? Got it. That makes sense. I think Kevin should do it because Kevin's our pastor theology guy. That's so right. you're going to make me take the first shot and then you can pick it apart? That's, that's right. Because that's basically how this goes. That's, that's, All right. Well, we, this is our... Like, basically, you're playing white and I'm playing black and we're going to keep going. So I have to go first. Yes. All right. Well, queen d4. <laughs> um, anyway. Checkmate. <laughs> so, okay. So... The loaded back end that you don't see in that first question, you know, can you lose your salvation? What people actually mean is the doctrine of eternal security. Like, once saved, always saved is the way some people would put it. Mm-hmm. So, like, the idea that if you're really a Christian, it's impossible to be not a Christian. Like, you can't go back. Right. Right. Um, the reason that people, uh, like, the Free Methodist Church doesn't, but, like, the reason some churches teach that once you're saved, you are always saved forever, is because they believe in a doctrine called irresistible grace, meaning if God has given you grace, you can't say no. Like, it's irresistible. You have to go along with whatever God's plan is for your life, right? And so it's not up to you to refuse it. So if you've been given something you can't refuse, you also can't walk away from it. So if you've been once saved, you're always saved. Yeah, a lot like donuts. Yes, like, no, no, (laughs) not like donuts. So, but like, you see where I'm going with this, though. Yeah. Like, so they believe that if grace is really irresistible, not only can you not resist it initially, but you also can't walk away from it later. And so if somebody comes to church for, you know, five years, and then they stop going to church and they say, forget you, God, and they run off and start robbing banks or doing whatever sinful thing they do. Sure. You know, then they would say, well, they must not have ever really been offered grace. Because if they had really been offered grace, then they wouldn't be able to resist it and go and leave God like that. Um, the Free Methodist Church rejects basically everything I just said in the last two minutes. Because that would, that would essentially be... Uh, did you say that was essentially Calvinist? Right? Yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's like it's like the, the Reformation, like Luther, Calvin. Like that Reformation kind of theology would be very strongly in favor of that. A lot of Baptist churches. Um, Wesley and the Anglican Church and the Catholic and Orthodox Church and basically everybody else emphasizes free will. Meaning... Grace is resistible. God offers grace to everyone once for all. You know, like grace is not limited to certain people. It's given to everyone. And then our choice is, do we allow God to work in our lives or not? No, stop here right there. You, you mentioned something that you didn't mention before. Uh-oh. Certain people. So that, I don't, I don't know. Oh, in reference to the reformed position? Yeah, so yeah. they, I mean, as Kevin's already kind of allured, allured to, alluded alluded to, uh, and Calvinism, only certain people are the elect, right. whereas free method, well, I shouldn't say free Methodist, and Arminianism or Wesleyan or whatever. Everyone else. Everyone else, all are offered. Right. That essentially that the irresistible grace is only offered or to a select 
specific for you. Right. God literally chooses who lives and who dies forever. Right. Um, They call that double predestination. The idea that God not only chooses some to be saved, but conversely also chooses some to not be saved or to be damned. Um, Which Wesley, to quote him, makes God out to be a monster. Another topic for another day. That it is. So that's my answer, is that losing your salvation only makes sense if you think of salvation as a thing to possess. Okay. If salvation is something that God does in your life, and it's something that you can choose to accept or reject on an ongoing basis, then you can accept salvation, God's saving grace, and then at a later time decide to stop accepting it. And then God is no longer working in your life because you told him not to, and he respects that and gives us free will that is actually meaningful. So at that point, would you have lost it then, you're saying? Well, now you're asking me to judge the state of someone's mortal soul, which is something we don't do. Okay. I don't, like, it is not human, it is not for us as humans to know or to decide or to judge whether or not someone is saved. Eric's laughing. I know, Eric's laughing. I agree with you. See, this is... No, it's better to ignore him and move on. (laughs) Keep keep talking, because I have a couple of questions. Okay. Okay, so, so essentially you're saying that... You can't lose it. That's I'm not saying, saying it's not a thing. Okay, it's okay. You're saying is God a, working this, in your life, this, or is God not, not working, working in your life? Okay. And the answer to that question is: Will you let God work in your life? If you change your mind, the answer changes. So, like, if today you wake up and you're like, you know what? I really want to focus on being a more spiritually disciplined person, and you begin your day in prayer, you read your Bible or you read your devotional. And you go through your life and you pray for that waitress by listening to her and you do everything we talked about. Like, you're living this life intentionally allowing God to work through you, through his grace. Okay. That's what salvation is, is living a life that is by the grace of God. Okay, well, what if I'm a person who I'm not necessarily actively doing that, but at the same time, I'm not like, I hate you, God. That's, That's why it's not... Like, don't ever ask your pastor, am I saved? Like, it's putting him in this really awkward, impossible position, right? Yeah, thanks, Josh. You know, like, because that's not, it's not the point, right? right? It's not my point to go, oh my goodness, I think Eric's totally going to heaven. Or he's totally going to burn in hell. Or he, like, I've already accepted it. <laughs> but, like, you get what I'm saying? Like it, it's, yeah. we've made everything about this binary heaven or hell kind of decision when in reality, the truth is much better and much more complicated than that. Okay. Cause if it, all that matters to you is, am I going to go play my harp on a cloud sometime or am I going to go burn forever in a lake of sulfur? Then what's happening now doesn't really matter and nobody cares. And I think Christianity at its core absolutely matters right now, right here. You know, there's a reason Jesus says, I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like it's not someday somewhere we're finally going to get to have good things. It's Jesus told his disciples, when you pray, pray that what's happening in God's perfect heaven is done on earth now. Like, it it should be about now. It shouldn't be about then. And so, can you lose your salvation? As in, am I going to heaven or hell when I die? Is just the wrong question. Okay. Eric, you have some questions, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure he does. Horrible opinions to follow up with that, right? Uh, The idea of the salvation now thing I do like. Uh, In fact, I actually have a definition that I really liked of salvation. I'm not going to like it, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> no one really asks you. Uh, salvation is not an event. It is a life. Ooh, I had that on one of my questions. I it actually is, like what you're saying. It is not just forgiveness <laughs> and a ticket to heaven. It is an interactive life with God participating now in what Jesus is doing on earth. The biblical word for salvation is deliverance. So I feel like Eric and I just agreed. Yeah, we, we agree yeah. on that That's issue. Awesome. We agree on that going part. Away. That, I wanted part. To go. that significant <laughs> round part. Uh, <laughs> sing a singularity. Uh, a singularity of an entire galaxy. Uh, I, I will say it's it's definitely not an event. Uh, I like that, and I mean that whole 
idea is why they say the, the difference between a saint and a sinner. They, if, if you think about the systems, and when I say systems, I mean Calvinism, Arminianism, and all these isms to try to describe whether or not you can lose or gain salvation. Uh, if you look at the system, well, if you were to say, who burns more grace, like, as a fuel? The sinner would, based off of that system. But based off the definition I just gave and what Kevin and I are essentially saying in that singularity, the saint burns more grace. Explain, I guess. I was say, I'm trying to wrap my head around the idea yeah. of grace as a finite resource. They burn more grace because it's happening now. It's every moment of every moment. You know, it's all oh, moment. You're saying grace does more work, is more efficacious yes. in the life of a saint because they're actually letting God do work. Yes. And the sinner is just running off doing their own thing and not allowing God to do work. Right. So grace it's, it's is different... at... So, okay, so to say it a different way, grace is at work in a saint and it is not at work in a sinner because they won't allow God to do so. In a way, yes. But I'm saying the systems that we have around the idea kind of promotes the other way of thinking. That the sinner somehow burns more grace because he can do a ton of crap horrible before he accepts God in. Whereas we're saying, no, that's not how it works. So what you're suggesting then is that grace is more for promoting righteousness than it is for strictly Correct. Absolutely right. That is exactly what I'm saying. Can we take a moment to appreciate the agreement between Eric and Kevin? I feel like this is a good moment. Can you guys explain it to me like I'm five because I'm missing everything you're saying at this point? You want to shoot or you want me to? Go for it. Alright. So, the idea like, we we talk about grace, like, the heaven and hell, (laughs) sinners in the hands of an angry God Jonathan Edwards being all angry. Like, you're going to burn in hell unless God saves you. So you're a dirty, rotten sinner. You need so much grace to cover all your dirty, rotten sins. Like, that's the way we've been trained to think about it, right? What Eric's saying is that grace is not, like, used in just getting us back to zero. The true power of grace is in taking us and making us holy and making us righteous and good. And so if you are allowing God's grace to be at work in your life, it does more in the life of a saint who is progressing and growing or being sanctified, which I see now why you wanted to go there, it's, than it's in the life of somebody who's running the other way. Yes. I, w- I would say that's the, the basics. Um, they're all attached. All the justification, sanctification, I hate that they're separate terms. Right. They're not separate. I agree. In order to, if you look at... This is why I don't like the systems. This is why I don't even like Arminianism in a way, because I'm like, you kind of miss it. By having a... And this is where Kevin's going to be like, oh, I don't agree with you. But, like, Calvinism, why do they have the system that you want to be assured of salvation? Why? Because the idea of not having it is horrible, for right. starters. And well, second off, and second off, if, you, if you're... I don't know if they're... Well, assurance of salvation is a Wesleyan thing. And it's I, not a and Calvinist I, thing. Right. And I don't blame them for saying that grace is irresistible either. Like, one of the best things I heard my brother-in-law say, who, I don't know where he is in his life, but uh, he said that if people really heard from God, they would never want to stop. And I I get why he says it. Because if you hear from the creator of everything, of all, why would you ignore it sometimes or he says either you don't you've never heard it and you're full of crap or you know what I mean or it's just not true you you, you, it's, you can't hear from it. and that's why I kind of like you know I, I get why Calvinists say it I, I, I understand it because you have the creator saying yeah you know I'm giving you grace how would you be able to resist something like that it's grace from the almighty being uh but then again, I, I feel like Arminianism's right that, yeah, you totally lose it. I mean, that's not even practical. Then you might as well just have robots. Because it's deep. now we're talking about determinism, which I don't really want to define. I don't want to bring up in this podcast, but we ought to do a podcast on determinism versus free will. Because it kind free of will is, wins. It's kind of important. <laughs> uh, but That's a short podcast. Life sucks if you don't believe in free will. But scientists will think that determinism is true. But anyway. Uh, Thank God scientists don't run the church. Yeah. But, so, that's why I don't, I don't like. He's a scientist. Yeah, yeah. that's the joke. Yeah. That's the joke. 
<laughs> I don't like either system. I don't like that. I don't like uh, their, oh, yeah, you can lose your salvation. Or, and my whole spiel about it is, and I'm not approaching this as a theology guy at all, approaching this as a Joe. Uh, this whole, I can gain, if you're saying you can lose salvation, salvation is now an object that right. I can lose. So I don't like it's, that. It's something like... And you wouldn't know it. How would you know that you lost salvation? You would have to be God to know if you gained it or lost it. Okay. So I like the definition of salvation I read because to me it is a moment-to-moment thing. And so Kevin agrees there with me, and that's where I acknowledge Kevin is right. As far as, like, I don't like the systems, I don't, like, I would think, well, you know, I, I get why Wesleyanism said that, but I don't buy it. Because I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to eat that up because I'm like, this is a moment to moment thing. So you're all, you're close, but you're not quite right. So moving on. Um, all right. So one of the questions I have is if I doubt that I'm saved at times, does that mean I've lost my salvation? No. Good. It's just based off of feelings. Okay. So very good. Yeah. Uh, C.S. Lewis said the gates of hell are locked from the inside this implies that the only people in hell are the ones who freely choose to go there now you brought up a different topic which I don't know if I should go into this and I probably shouldn't Uh, but there's universalists universalism yes there's like five different thoughts here Okay. can you just make it the most simple one I, I mean, I would have to look up what all five are. I'm not. No, don't give us. Just give us. I'm not going to do that. Basically, Lewis was a universalist in that, you know, you everybody has a choice. And, but there's definitely a lot of people who were not universalists. Well, Lewis was a universalist in the sense that the last battle, like he had that guy who thought he was worshiping Tash in the Chronicles of Narnia, who was a false god. Yeah. Um, and then Aslan, the, the phrase that Aslan said that, like, kind of illustrates the way. We'll, Lewis thinks about it was Aslan looks at this dude who worshipped somebody else's whole life and said well the things you do in worship Tash they can only be done in service to me so like Lewis would make the argument at least extrapolating from that story that if you do godly righteous things you can only do them in service to God even if you don't fully understand who God is (coughs) So he's, he's making the argument for the godly pagan, Lewis was. Yes. Okay. And if out of the five, I would say that universalism is the one that I like the most. Well, I mean, in Jesus, to a certain extent, yeah. when he saw the Roman centurion, you know... When he approached he, he, the Canaanite woman, I mean, come on. Well, the Roman centurion this. sent servants to ask Jesus to heal, I think it was his daughter... And Jesus is, like, all set to go back to the centurion's house. And they're like, no, 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 you don't... No, the centurion went himself. And, he's like, just, and the centurion's like, no, 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 I, I get yeah. how this works. Yeah. All you have to do is say it. Just tell that dude and the to servant, tell me, the spirits, they all obey and you. And I'll do it, yeah. So it, if you say it, it's done. Right. And then Jesus basically turns around and goes, like, you know, like, in all of Israel, I haven't found faith like this. He's like, that's my dog. You know, like, and so he rewards the centurion, who probably knows nothing about Judaism. Right. Right. All the Roman centurion knows is, like, okay, that guy... I, I know that guy, you know. Yeah, and I, or the blind man from John Nunn. Well, it's like, I was like saying like a bunch of Native American, all the Native Americans in history are all in hell because Jesus never visited them, unless you're Mormon, but that's a different story. But <laughs> because they never heard the story of salvation, so now they're all in hell because right, like that's stupid. Or what happened to the the Mayan Empire from yeah like, the Aztecs from the times in you right. know pre before Christ whatever. Yeah, those guys. You know, like. As Kevin said, the whole idea of focusing on who's in and who's out is malarkey. And I think, and, and yeah, and just to answer that, I guess, in my own opinion, I feel like it's a very salvation, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> worry about salvation is a very selfish, ultimately, yes. motive. Mm-hmm. Because if that's what guide, if that's what's like literally like, oh, I gotta make sure I'm safe today, so I gotta make sure I don't do anything bad, like that's a very terrible motive. Or if you only serve and, other people. Yeah, so, so like, I made it, it today, I got three people to yeah. fix my fix their flat tires or something and now I'm going to heaven today. See, now my, my thoughts are how many people live like that? And like, it's not fair for me to judge people other than that. You mean how many people sit back and like, I gotta make sure I do this and this and this so I go to heaven. Well, but I, yeah, I mean, essentially there's a principle called the retribution principle. If I scratch your back, you'll scratch mine. Or if I scratch God's back, you'll scratch mine. 
And a lot of people are like, well, that's not true. But they live like it. I mean, I watched my dad do it to his neighbor. He did all these nice things for her. Maybe she'll leave me in her will. Why would she leave you in her will? Because you did a nice thing for her? You made her a little pork chop? I, I don't really understand how, yeah, I like that guy. I should leave him in my will. I just, this whole idea, I, I, doing something for someone else so they could do something for me. Yeah. Does not seem quite right. Are you saying that's how some people maybe do things as far as... I think it's secular. I'll even go as far as to say it's secular. Okay. Well, you asked a question. No, I was just saying, you're saying that's, a, that's how you think some people approach salvation? Oh, I definitely think I'm, that's how a lot of people approach that salvation. But is that getting very close to uh, works as a means of salvation then at that point? I think more people act as if salvation were earned right. than people will say they believe that. There are a lot of people who will say that salvation is by faith alone, but they live as if they must earn it. This is off topic. Oh, it's sort of on topic. Mm. I'm trying to think of how I want to ask this question. You said, is it easier to be saved or not be saved? I mean, is it easy, is it easy as this saying I believe? Like, is it that easy? Like, I believe. Oh. Right? And that's, I mean, essentially, that's what scriptures say, right? Yes. Believe in the Lord it's, Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household? Essentially. I, I but don't what really is believe that? that. I don't believe it's okay. just, I have a belief that I'm saved today. So I think, what accepting what Jesus did, you need to really reorient with what just happened. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm going to start stealing from random people, but I'm not going to give you names who I read it from. But you just know that I stole it. From, still from. Uh, this idea, like in Genesis, uh, a lot of Old Testament scholars will tell you that before the forbidden fruit was eaten, uh, we were all young and immature, even though, I mean, who cares if you were 30 years old? Humanity was immature. This idea that when we ate from the tree, we were trying to do the fast route and becoming and trying to being made whole and wise. Well, we weren't supposed to eat from the forbidden fruit, so we paid for it because we're not wise yet. We're not like adults, and you know. And a simple analogy is if you're a kid but you want to drive a car, you know, if you're five years old, I'm not going to hand you the keys to my car. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But if it's like someone stole them and decided to drive the car anyway, you're going to pay for that. You know what I mean? So and it, that's a weak analogy, but it's it's kind of a similar thought that in order to attain wisdom, and you're trying to be made whole. And so what Christ does on that cross and then is resurrected, I mean, that's becoming whole, and essentially. And now there's a lot of the interpretations of what that means. Like, what did he do there? And that it goes either along with atonement theories or what does it mean to be made whole? And I mentioned this to you in text message that you can be made whole. It's either it's that or delivered from sin. It's delivered from whatever. But it's... And I'm trying to get the, that grasp concept that it, once you have been made whole through Christ, the world looks different. Okay. And you're not the same. And you're participating with God in, in, that, in life. That's why the Christianity that has been dealt to people, including myself, uh, it's not the same. It's like, here, if you have a bite of this, this little simple thing, you, you get to enjoy heaven. Your sin calculator goes to zero. I'm not kidding. That is literally what I have heard before from a church. Cool. You accept Jesus into your life by believing in him, and your sin calculator goes to zero. And to me, I'm like, yeah, that misses the point quite a bit that just sits there and focuses on me and not about this life that I've accepted it's it's not about being that it's about being made whole and partially to me so what would you say to the person though that maybe hasn't had that full on experience then are they are they saved I, like I said, we've already discussed that I cannot judge whether or not you're saved but if you're if, if you view life the same as you did yesterday and you got baptized and believed in Jesus two days ago I think you need to ask yourself a few questions. Like, maybe you didn't hear it. You know, maybe what you you went to do was not it. It right. doesn't mean that you didn't get salvation or all that stuff. I don't know, because I don't think any of those words have any meaning at this point. I think what really matters is, is being made whole. And it, it is by having Jesus in your life allowing you to be made whole. Is it allowed to... I keep saying made whole, but is it allowing... Is it showing you that there's a way to participate with God 
every minute of your life. Anything to add, Kevin? Kevin's tired and he hates me. <laughs> be done. Um, real quick, I don't. Do we answer? Did you guys answer? Can you answer the question in like less than sixty seconds? Is can we have assurance of our salvation? Yes. Okay. How? You want closer to sixty seconds? Yes. Uh, sure. In less than sixty seconds, there are two ways that God can reveal His will or or truth to us. One is general revelation. Things that are true for all people, all times, given to all people. You know, Scripture is an example of general revelation. Uh, the traditions of the church, the teachings of the apostles, and that kind of authority that's been passed down. That's another example. Some people would say that Scripture is a part of that tradition. We've talked about that before. Um, the other half is, you know, individual special revelation. Like, the idea that God speaks to individuals, right? So, like, the example of many of the prophets in the Old Testament, Elijah... Uh, all those kind of things, uh, people who claim to have had visions where God has spoken to them. That's special revelation. We believe that God also does that. The difference between the two is special revelation is binding for the individual only. So the idea then that assurance of salvation is an example of this kind of special individual revelation where God can reveal to you what God has done in your life and can give you assurance that you are, have, are being and am saved. That makes sense? Yeah. So that doesn't mean that you get to go around and tell everyone else how to live because you have assurance of salvation and, you know, whatever. It doesn't mean that I get to tell you how, like, whether or not you're saved because right. God told me so. You know, that kind of a special revelation is binding only to the individual who received it. Did you have a follow-up? Oh, I, I, I don't believe that. Okay. I don't why? believe you can be assured of salvation. Is there a reason why? I mean, there's no way of knowing it. You can sit there and say, yeah, God told me. But if I think salvation is minute to minute, God could tell you in one minute and then the next minute. And you, I mean, are you telling me that you all of a sudden know that you're for sure saved the next minute? By, I mean, if you constantly are living moment to moment and salvation is a daily life, yeah. you can't tell me that you get, you're sure of salvation by the end of the day. Especially if you're an Armenian. If you believe that, you're kind of stepping toward Calvinism. Kevin probably doesn't like that. No, he doesn't. They're fighting words. Because like, I don't want to be dumb, so I don't want to take that bait. He's going to take me outside. Josh said less than 60 <laughs> seconds. He's going to take me outside. I'm white. I go first. Josh gets to play, or Eric gets to play black. He gets to go second. I don't think it was a stalemate. I'll give him, I'll give him, I'll give him the last word. He can fight me. I'll give him the last word. That's okay. He can fight me. I'll stay quiet. All right. Well, that's going to do it today, for today's episode. Uh, I hopefully you've noticed that we changed our theme song. Hopefully you're, you were not very confused by that when we played it and you're like, this is the wrong podcast. I don't know. And there's no Mark. We changed everything. I think you need to introduce Mark's segments. Like you should have like, you should take stuff from other podcasts other podcast <laughs> and put it in there. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. And yeah, I'll paint chips. <laughs> yeah, and I'll paint chips. Yummy. Uh, anyway, thanks to Jackson F. Smith for our new theme song. His name is a lot easier to say than the last guy's. Uh, keep liking our Facebook page. Subscribe to the show if you haven't yet on iTunes and Google Play or wherever you listen to your fancy podcasts. Uh, if you got a question, you know, we'd like it because we might answer it. I don't know. Send them to one like equals one prayer at gmail.com. To be fair, we have answered 100% of That's right. questions. So We've got, we're one for one. We are 100%. one for one. We are so, batting a thousand. You know, try to tempt us. I don't know. Or try to try to test us. Maybe. I don't know. That'd be great. Um, yes. Can, can they ask us a question that we can't answer? That's right. And then don't ever ask another question again at that point. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I've been your host, Josh Krause. I'm Eric Latassi. And this is Kevin Eccles. And remember, please share. One like equals one prayer. <laughs>